Production. Yes! Welcome back to Go Deep the Podcast, a member of Go Deep Productions, where we have an opinion like we have a clue. Thank you for coming back. And here's your host, John. Nothing. Doe. No part of me ever gets sick of hearing my own voice. And I know I've said this a million times. This episode is a special episode. And when you sit back and you listen, whether you're driving your car, you're skiing, you're rollerblading, I don't know, you're talking to your old lady, whatever it may be, I want you to think about it and process it and understand that what, what's happening in this particular podcast is special. If it's not special to you, oh well, it's special to me. We have a couple guests on the show, three guests that, that have never been in the same room. I think maybe two of them have, but the one for sure I can guarantee hasn't. So we're going to go around the room. We're going to introduce everybody first. First and foremost, we have Michelle. Michelle is the psychic we had on earlier, a couple episodes, I, I want to say like 20 episodes, very insightful uh, just a down-to-earth lady, someone you're probably going to want to contact if you want a psychic reading. Michelle, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you for having us here. No and problem. And I love the vibe that we're having today. And, and food. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think this is going to be a really great experience for uh, us all, and, you know, it'll be wonderful. And you can reach me, you know, and I'm on the web and um, for Belladonna Psychic. Belladonna Psychic. Yeah. There you go. Reach yeah. out to her. I'm telling you, you're not going to be disappointed. Yeah. Like you heard in the one episode where we talked, she predicted a car accident that I wish I wasn't a part of. <laughs> Next on the show, we have Julia. Julia is a light worker. We've had her on the show as well. She's been on some of our less formal ones, but this is clearly a little bit more formal. And we're always happy to have her on the show. Julia, how are you? Hello, hello, John. Thank you so much for having me. That was so sweet of you. Such a great introduction. I, I try my best. And yeah, I'm always excited to be here. Always, always excited. Well, I'm always excited to have you on the show, Julia. And last but not least, uh, this guest was on my show. I want to say 50, I know I keep saying maybe 20s episodes ago. Anyways, this, uh, she's a life coach. She's someone that you should have in your life. And if you need anything, I implore you to reach out to her. Glenda, how are you? Well, I am actually floating today. I'm so excited for this show today because the three women or the other two women that are with me here, um, well, one I met uh, briefly, but there was something that said that I needed more. And just the sight of our other new guest, um, something's already drawing me to her. So I'm excited and thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited to share and most importantly, I'm hoping that people come away with, with learning a little bit to appreciate who they are. So my name is Glenda Kroll, and if anybody is looking to even just touch base, you need a little bit of mum around, or you just need a coach who's been through it all, give me a call. I am Glenda Kroll, or on Instagram, it's the wise woman's word. Thank you. I mean, she truly is the wise woman. We got a lot of wise women in this room. But today I want to focus on something special. So the last time I had you on the show there, Glenda, we talked a lot about what you do and how you do it. But today I want to, get, and we actually did talk a little bit about your experience. We found out about your brothers, their special needs, and like it's, it's crazy what you've been through. But I want to go a little deeper. And I know the show is Go Deep, and we're going to go deep today. So today I want to focus my attention, or our attention really, to Glenda's battles and triumphs here. And uh, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. It's, it's really fascinating, the, the fact that she's gone through this and doesn't have this victim mentality. See, a lot of people I find that go through even a quarter of this, 
it's all like me, 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 and it's not me, me, me. It's she's almost like Bob Proctor, but in a female body, and uh, you know, very much not the the victim, but like the victor, and always just kind of like pushing forward and and having this great need to provide service for people. And I think that's the great thing we'll get out of it. So we're gonna get right into it, Glenda. So you've been through some craziness. So you had a divorce uh, years ago, obviously. Um, but there was a there was a big story here. There, there was a lot that happened here, and how you got out of this uh, this marriage, if you will. You care to uh, bring us to day one, D one, where you discovered the discovery. We'll start that off at the discovery. Well, it all started with that one innocent email. At one time, I was working with my partner, my partner in life, and my partner in business. And something was always eating away at me, but my life was always full of a lot of challenges, family, always looking after everybody in my family. And it was that one day when that email came in, and I asked my partner, who is this person that came into our work email? And as he tried to explain something in me banged me in the head and said to me, open your eyes, Glenda. And as he was talking, I didn't believe a word he was saying. And that played on me all day long. And that night, when everybody else was asleep, I knew that something was up. So I went downstairs to his computer. I looked around, and voila, I found all his email passwords. And so that started me on my journey to start looking. And when I started to look, all of a sudden I opened a folder on his phone, or sorry, on this computer, and it opened up, and there was tons of emails and pictures of 14 years that we were together with all different women and all different love stories and pictures, some a uh, little bit um, slutty, um, like the poses of what these women were doing and saying and all the rest of it. And I felt like that night I got hit by a brick. So let's go back here for a second. So you you gained access. You got to see them do their best Pornhub pose. And then what is your thoughts after that? So you've come, you've come to realize, you know, your marriage has not been what you thought it was. What were your next steps? Like immediately, are you're enraged, you're pissed off, you want to go wake him up with a slap in the face, or are you like, hold on, let me sleep on this? No, it was not uh, that I would go back to sleep. As a matter of fact, I was so blown away. I like I, I thought this was the man I was was going to be buried with. Like it was just like he was there forever. I, but here's the one I'm going to go tell you. First of all, um, I had gone through a previous divorce many years before that and I was dragged through the mud and it was at the time in my life where um, I was a stay-at-home mom and I lost everything and I didn't even have money to feed my children that's how bad it was and I had to be a real um, I had to dig down very deep and at the end of it all I I managed at that point to take my power back because I at that point um, actually fired my lawyer and because nobody was listening to my voice and I went into court by myself and I said to the court um, that nobody's listening to what I'm going through and my children are going through and I need to be heard so I'm talking I'm representing myself from this point on so my life had changed so that next <clears throat> that night when I discovered what I had discovered 
first of all, I was just like knocked over. I was so upset and so up and in tears, I ran to the bathroom and I threw up. I was just, everything came apart. My world came falling down. But my life came falling back from what I had been through. And, and I was married for 12 years prior to that. And my divorce lasted longer than my marriage. So imagine that. And the only time I got peace is when my husband, then husband, died. So it's pretty sad to say, but that's the only time when he stopped taking me to court. Um, but this time around, I remembered and I said to myself, I'm never going to go through what I've been through. So for the next two hours, I wandered around the house thinking, what should I do? What should I do? And by this point in time now, it's the sun is starting to come up. And I decided I better go upstairs because I don't want him, you know, I put everything back exactly the way I had found it. And I lay down at the edge of my bed as close to the floor as I could because I didn't want to even be near him or touching him. And I knew that, um, I knew from that moment that this marriage was over. This relationship was the end of. But I also knew that I need to plan. I have a question. You seem to be in shock to have found all that information. Was there any signs prior to that? Actually, there were signs, but as I mentioned, um, my life is always filled. And I, at one point when I was really feeling it happening, it was a time when my mother, who was a sole caregiver to my brothers, was showing dementia. My brothers were living there and in, in actually in harm's way, and I was worried about everybody, and I, I had to look after and care for everybody. So I didn't have time to start. It was like, get over it, Glenda, just keep going, because you have three other people that you have to deal with. So I, I couldn't allow that because I had to focus on what was really in front, and it was the safety of my family that I had to worry about. So I left it put away. And then I would come to myself, and I remember one time in the backyard of my house being in the pool with my girlfriend, and I said to her as we're laying on this big float in the pool, and I said, would you do me a favor? Would you really look at me? Like, look at me, really. I don't want you to tell me, oh, Glenda, you look great. I don't want that. Tell me, do I look like I've let myself go? Uh, do, you, do you think that I'm, I'm fat and I'm ugly? Like, can you really look at me and be honest with me? Because something's going on in my relationship, and I wanted to know, like, is it me? So isn't that sad how we look mm -hmm. to ourselves and something and we start blaming us? Mm -hmm. And... You know, at that time, I'm pretty much the same of what I am now. Like, I haven't really changed very much. I've always, you know, like I, we were talking a little earlier, yeah. you know, like many years ago, in my 20s, I lost, I lost 60 pounds, and I've kept it off my entire life. And I've always been, you know, concerned about my, about my, my health, and it's always been the focal point of my life of just caring to look after myself because I have to look after so many others. So for me, it's always been about that. So, yeah, it was there, but you know, it, it, you know, at that point in time, it was like it was a shock because I knew something, but I also knew that I didn't listen to that voice in me. Sometimes I think the signs are there, and we are so busy with our lives that we don't notice, you know, or we don't want to notice, you know, because we're happy. Uh, maybe you were happy at the time period and you, you do your thing and, you know, and then all of a sudden there's this bam, you know, 
And you ask yourself, was I living a lie? You know, and how could I have left lived a lie like that? You know? Well, I looked at it as saying my own 14 years of this whole relationship was a lie. And I, that's when I, I was actually started to beat myself up. Yeah, and I and I don't understand like why men, why do you have to have so many multiple partners, you know, and have a wife on top of it, right? I also wonder that too, being a man myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, is it a trauma thing, do you think, there, Glenda? Do you yeah, think that's a, a trauma thing or do you think it's like a biological issue or I don't know, I, I'm just shooting into the wind here. Well, let, let's put it this way. I did a lot of soul searching afterwards and I've spent a lot of time working on me because I had to get through it all. You know, 14 years of, of never mind did I, was I a, a really great partner? And I have to say, like, it wasn't just me. Everybody always used to say that. But it was the fact that I, you know, never mind did I always look after him and that I ran his business. I made, I was the business. I was yeah, running it. Making, that's what you, yeah. I was making oodles of money during the good years. And, you know, it wasn't until 9-11 that our business really fell apart. But, you know, I never mind was I that. I had also at one point brought his mother into my home because my mother was at the point of dementia, my brothers and everything, and I couldn't leave town. And his mother was out of town that I actually brought her in and she lived in my house and I nursed her back to care, mm -hmm. you know, while I had everything else in the air, while I was running a business, while I had my two own, my own two children, while I looked after my mother and my brothers. So imagine my life has always been full yeah. and I never said no, even to his sister who had problems with her children. They also came. My house was the open house that I loved people. So anybody coming to me meant that they were loved, they, they were heard, and, and all the rest of it. So it wasn't, it was. But what it, what I did realize afterwards was the fact that, first of all, he lacked a lot of security um, within himself. He had very much insecurity. And the one thing that I never really noticed, or I, I he did something that really bothered me a lot, but so, you know, I'll, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an open book right now. I'm white, he was black. He thought, um, I show up. I show up well. When I'm going to meetings, I, I dress well. I put myself together in a suit. I always have a smile on my face because that's the way my outlook is on life. And, you know, people, when I'd go to trade shows or go to anything, everybody loved me. It was just easy because I'm a happy person and there's always a positive mode to everything in life. Like, that's just me, right? And he loved that because I brought people in. So he always looked at it and when I started saying he remember saying one time when I read through his emails you know that you know one of his girlfriends wanted to have him on a Saturday night and he says no um, I she is my main woman she has me on Saturday nights because I cannot do that because you know and I knew what that meant to him it meant was you know you you don't knock the bread and butter that what what's feeding you Mm -hmm. And I didn't want in any way, you know, like, I, I, I was kind of, you know, I guess in my own ways, I didn't want to see a lot of it. The early years were fun. The money was great that was happening in our business. Things were good. But, you know, his thing is, is he needed women to be uplifting him. He, like, I remember going to the, to the gym and with him and he would be at the gym and, 
he would love to be sort of standing there and he didn't mind a woman touching him or feeling his muscles. And I remember one time being at the gym and I didn't think it really through how this woman was kind of stoking him. Like she was just kind of patting him down. And, and I went in and I said, um, excuse me, um, this is my man. Like, sorry, but I don't share. And yeah. she just looked at me and he looked at me and it was like later on I came, came home and I said, um, is this is this what happens at the gym when I'm not around? Because um, you know, let's be real. You know, if you're in a in a relationship, then you don't do that unless you don't want to be in the relationship. Then tell me now. And no, you know, he, he right away it's no, 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 no. Of course not. Don't be silly. You know, you're you're just talking silly. That's what his response was to me. So more like deflection is what was was going on every time these situations happen for you. It sounds like it in a way that you were like his his asset, right? Like you were not only just an asset, but like I mean, like I, I, I mean, this is gonna sound bad when I say it, and I don't mean it in any disrespect. But the reason you were the main, like you were the main, and they were just on the side, like you were the steak, they were maybe the potatoes, the corn, Absolutely. they were just the filler for the real meal. Yeah, and, and here's the thing, you know what? First of all, um, he had a very large family. And he had gone out with somebody who everybody in his family didn't like. And then Glenda appears. And I told you, I'm not trying to stoke my ego. I don't have an ego. Like, you know, you want to tell me off, please do. Tell me, you know, make I can make myself better. But his family loved me. And why shouldn't they? Everybody was welcomed. I was very, you know, I talked to everybody. But you were keeping him in line for them, too. Yeah. And that's why they love you. You know, and that's what I found like in a, my first marriage also too, is I was the one who made him go to work and I was the one who got him up and I was the one who, you know, did all the dinners and things for his family to come over. Yep. And, you know, and I was the person that kept him like in line because before that, which I didn't know, he never kept a job and, you know, he was a problem to his, you know, family and things and, you know, and then you end up being that fixer. You know, you fix everything. Right. And I learned that in an honest way. That's that was the role my father did in, in, in my life. He was the he was the fixer. He always made everything. And there's always one person in the family that's like that. Yes. You know, and I find I'm that, you know, I'm the one who picks up everybody or they need to go to the doctors or they need to, you know, it's me, it's me, you know, or the kids need something and yep. I run all over their grocery stores. But I found like I got burnt out. Uh, when we slow down, we go, who am I? You know, too, we were just saying that. I had like a couple of weeks off and I'm like, I feel guilty or I'm not that fixer anymore or running around or I don't have the energy to do it. I, I hit a brick wall in my life where, you know, I'm 58 years old and who am I? You know, and your kids get older and, you know, things change and you don't do anything for yourself, you know? Well, yeah, and that's a huge one, and I believe that we have to continue, and I, I understand that. You know, my kids are older. Both of my kids are involved in, like, my daughter just got married, and um, I'm always involved in, all, in everybody's life, and that's just part of what I do. But, yeah, I, I guess that way. Like, I'm still, I still, his family still reaches out to me. Yeah. Um, I have nothing to do with him, but the, the family still reaches out, and we still, uh, there's a few of them that we get together and 
have coffee and chit chats and have laughs. You were the best part of him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they they've all lost respect for yeah. him afterwards. Yeah. But you know, it wasn't so cut and dry. It took a you know, like we'll continue with the story shortly. Yeah. So yes, this is what I want to do. I want to want to hold on, Julie. Did you want to get in there? Yeah. You know what? I wanted to add something when you asked about what. Um, prompts men yes. to uh, sleep around. And mm-hmm. I've had clients who claim to have sexual addiction. I'm talking about men. I've had clients who were serial cheaters. And there are different things that stand behind the cause. And for some men, enough is never enough, and that's just greed, and that's how it will. Uh, for some men, I've worked with somebody who, as a teenager, were put down in a very in a sexual way so therefore without realizing by sleeping with multiple women he was trying to redeem himself for his childhood or so for make up example for lost time. there is um, another scenario where a man might look for different women and go from woman to woman because he's looking for that closeness because to some men sex means love so if a woman's sleeping with me, she must like me or love me. So for a man that doesn't well, love himself... I certainly himself, hope she does like you. Because <laughs> well, if there's no money involved, her in a lot of uh, fucking you trouble. See, I'm just drawing that connection from like to love. Because to an insecure man, like Glenda mentioned, to somebody, to a man that doesn't love himself, because just like women, some women don't love themselves, men don't love themselves. So when a man doesn't love himself, he's looking for that love and reassurance on the side. So when he sleeps with different women, in one hand, it provides that connection. However, the catch is if the man is emotionally unavailable, no matter how much the woman will provide that connection, it will run down thin. And that's why they go from one person to another person to another person because they feel like, okay, this will connect. Oops, it doesn't work. But they don't realize that the reason it doesn't work is because they're emotionally unavailable. That's why they're choosing to switch a partner to partner. Be- so the simple, the simple form of what you're saying is they haven't figured out that the European plug doesn't fit in the American <laughs> woman. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> hey, I I'm love sorry. that analogy. I love that analogy. Good for you, John. I'm Good, way to go. I Good get for it. you. Good for you. Uh, hold on. We got Glenda here. But there was one other thing that I realized later that allowed me to forgive him. Not that I actually told him that I forgave him, but it allowed me to heal, is, you know what, we are all products of our, our, our childhood. And when I remembered back through the years, and when he would tell stories, his father in Jamaica would disappear for a week or two weeks at a time, and not come home. This is also actually something that's quite common in the islands. And his mother would allow the father would leave, and the grandparents were like his grandparents usually bring up the children, and he would father would leave and and go off on his merry way, and then come home two weeks later or so, and pick up life like it left off. So imagine, and this is very true because I find this with a lot of clients when I work with them too, because you know I, I dive down deep to ask of what happened through their lives because. We all, you know, our insecurities, whether we believe in ourselves, whether we have confidence in ourselves, something's happened to us early in our life that changes the switch. 
And I believe, like, in when I do readings for people and stuff, men come to me, and they're exactly like that. And your personality is developed by the age of three. What you will choose, where you will go, and who you will pick as a mate, everything. So I always call that, like, your inner child, yeah. you know? So I see, like me, when I see my inner child, and it showed me in readings, is that I was raised... Um, speak when you're spoken to, you know, in my household. So I was raised to be low key. You know, I had no rights, you know, whatever voice I ever said was, you know, and I always kept quiet. But my other alter ego is fire, you know, and I'm very outgoing, which I am born like that, but then raised in another way. So it's kind of saying also too, like I've had clients, as you've said, you know, where they've come with that kind of problem and stuff. And I've worked with them even and stuff. But it's interesting, like this man came and same thing. He was into everything he could possibly imagine to get gratification sexually, like porn, different things, you know. And I, I, was, I wanted to see his life, you know, like what is he made of, right? And he was raised by seven sisters. And he had no father. And the father had left and his mother, so eight women in his household, you know, yeah. and so he was gratified with like, you know, women always being around him. They walked through the rooms naked and, you know, because they were all women, but they never really noticed he was a boy. Right. They just treated him like one of the one of the eight, you know, yeah, yeah. and it was kind of interesting about that. So he could never get enough of like sexual gratification. And I always believe that men and women have to have two energies, like as you said, he had no father and would take off and, you know, on him. And so this same thing with him, his dad just took off and, you know, and he had no male energy in his life. So there's no balance, you know. So we're created in a way of our energies, what parents give you, male and female, you know. Absolutely. But there is times also, like he still had grandparents who, and, and in the islands, a lot of the times, um, it's you know the grand the parents usually come over to countries like Canada to start off a business or start off getting a job or something to create a life and then many years later once the kids are you know halfway or the kids have grown up a little bit uh, the grandparents send them over so they're basically brought up from um, aunts uncles and and uh, grandparents and. You know, so he did have males in his life, but it was a very different type. But I think I think your parents are the biggest karma. Like I really believe in that. When you're born, your parents are the biggest karma in your life. Like what they give you, and if you've had a bad, you know, existence with them, and it wasn't really the greatest, it's sort of like you missed out, sort of in that energy. Like I'm just kind of saying the, the way I kind of see it and stuff, right? And it, it's your parents, like, you know, like the same thing, I was raised by my grandmother, and I always find that I'm missing my parental, I have parental issues, you know, where she was, uh, you know, thank goodness she was there, but it's not the same for some reason as your own parent, right? Well, yeah, I understand that, and I know because I, I also had both of my parents growing up. I lived a very different life because I had two special needs siblings yeah who had a lot of needs and I was kind of put off to the side because 
you know, it was always like, don't worry about Glenda, she's fine. She's a, you know, she's strong. She'll be fine from all my life, right? And um, my mother tended to be a more negative person. And for some reason, even as a little, little girl, I, I loved the energy my father put out. And I made this conscious decision. And I, like I say, I don't know where this came from, but my conscious decision is, and as a little girl was saying always to me, I want to be like daddy. I don't want to be like mommy. And maybe that's where you got your strength from. Well, no, you know? because I think part of my strength came from my mother. Oh, really? I think my mother was a strong-ass woman. Like, imagine, you know, we're talking about 70 years. My brother's now 71 years old. And in those years, people did not treat people with special needs nice. It yeah. was a horrible world. I, I, I grew up in that. Yeah. And so, you know, imagine the strength that a woman needs to say that this is my child and I'm not giving it away to keep it. And my parents were very firm on that my brothers are part of our, our family and will always remain that. So she had that strength, but not always the kindest, nicest person. But my father and my grandmother were sweethearts. And, you know, like, I was always daddy's little girl. I always did stuff, but I always also caused the problems. Yeah. And that's what also, too, I found with clients. Like, say, I don't want to just all men have these issues, but I've had women have these issues, like, when they come to me also, too. Where, you know, um, this client would, oh, my God, I can't meet somebody. And, you know, and why does every relationship fail? And, you know, and I, I looked into her life. I was like, okay, I really want to look into your life, you know. And I said, well, the biggest complaint I've seen of every male, I said, you don't give them an inch. You know, you're, you're on them 24-7. Like, you got a phone 15 times a day. And, you know, and he, she goes, oh, yeah, you know, I have to have that right? And I thought, isn't that interesting, you know? And I said, well, what was their biggest complaint? Why would they leave you? Because she goes, they would just up and leave all these men she met. And she says, well, I have to wrap myself around them 24-7 while I sleep. Oh, my gosh. And they said they couldn't handle that, you know? And I said, well, yeah, you know, kind of a thing, right? I got to be honest. I think I would rather slip my wrists. <laughs> that's what i'm saying and you know? i don't condone suicide but i'm just saying i think yeah. that might be a better and option I'm like, well you're being you're too much you know like i said let somebody have some space and then when i was looking i said you have daddy issues you know well it's like again it's what you grow up with you yeah know? like if she's got that insecurity there was something that happened younger in her younger years where that insecurity was formed and and so when she got so mad at me and she got furious with me that I said that and I'm just like whoa you know and she said my dad was the most beautiful man that ever graced the planet he gave me gifts he was there for me 24 7 how dare you say that to me and I said oh like this and she said and he died when I was 18 and I said well really you know he died when you were 18 and so she doesn't have daddy anymore to give her all kinds of things and gifts and run around and, you know, do everything for her. So she's always looking for a man, her partner, to take that space in her life that's gone, you know. So I found that was very interesting. So as my readings went on, I more went into people's lives of why you can't meet that great partner or why you can't, you know, and you're sabotaging yourself in some way. Well, I understand because I work with people's relationships because of, you know, my second relationship, I didn't realize that this one that we're talking about today 
is when I sat back, he had a lot of similarities to my first. And it wasn't until I really worked on to the, to the real work of everything that I understood so that I made sure that my next time when I was out, you know, dating and things like that, I didn't want that to ever happen again. Because if we don't do the work on ourselves, then that same thing keeps repeating itself. But for her, it was an aha moment. She just looked at me like, ooh, you know. Yeah. And after that, things changed a lot for her. And then I could see people coming in because sometimes co people come to me and I don't see anything for them. Like they go, I, you know, I've been eight years single. And I'm like, well, why? You know, why are you eight years single? I couldn't tell you. You know, they're perfect on paper. They have a great job. They have money, you know, and there's always something more. Mm -hmm like deeper Absolutely. why that eight-year drive, you know? And that's what I like to do with people is work on that. And then it will create into the world better energy, better things, right? You know, and stuff. So, yeah, I find that just so very interesting. Probably far less shittier people, if I can just say it as it is. <laughs> right? Because there's a lot of people that suffer from these traumas that you're speaking of and, and what Glinda is alluding to, too. Yeah that uh, we're not working on our stuff and we're just creating the problem and all we're doing is we're multiplying because if I, if I have a crappy relationship with you, let's say, yeah. now you're going to take that and you're going to multiply it with the next person and then yes. they're going to take it and let's say it's you're, like Glenda's ex yeah. and he spreads it to 25. and Your action affects a thousand people. It's like the idea of when like a still... you think about that, every little thing like... I ask my, you know, my guides, my cards, I love doing tarot, and I'll say, is it really terrible? Say, I have clients that come, and they have a wife on the side, and they have a mistress, and this and that, but they, they treat the wife with spectacular, you know, she has everything she wants at her fingertips, car, trips, you know, and would never, he said, she never notices a thing. And I said, really? Like, you know, she never notices a thing. So I said, so you're giving her the 100% of your love and attention when you go home? And of course you wouldn't be. You know what it is? Just like men can be emotional and available, women are too. So a woman that's okay with gifts and can overlook the real connection, can overlook the real attention and much rather take that physical gift, is emotionally unavailable. For her, it's much easier to receive it, feel loved in her own way through her own love language, which in this case is, and again, people might have multiple uh, love languages. However, certain people that don't tap in into their heart and into their emotions keep it very surface. So then for those types of people, their love language can be touch, which is sex, right? Or it can be gifts. Um, so something very surface-like. So for them, yeah, because... Uh, um, I know a handful of men that have multiple families, uh, right? And both of their wives know, and they're all okay with that. Yeah, because, again, okay with that. they do not need that emo emotional connection <laughs> because they are not healed inside, and they have that shield. And as long as on the outside they have the house, they have the kids, they have the car, they have the money, mm -hmm. they're set. So I'm located at Shepherd Young in case of <laughs> any of you sugar mamas want to give me some money. I'm not emotionally available, but I'm available for your gifts. But, but you know, but that woman, you know, you can't tell me she's getting 100% of him, you know, which is very unfortunate. But say she 
is miserable because maybe he's not having sexual intercourse with her as much as or make love to her as much as she would like or different things. And then she's mad, so she dumps on the kids. Well, the you know? energies come out and then, somewhere so or other. You're the absolutely kids go right. out and they dump on their friends at school. And that's why it affects a thousand people. Every action affects a thousand people because and then that that child goes to that person and bullies this one at school, you know, and then you create this energy. So my cards and guides were saying to me, that's the karma of it. That's the energy you put out because he goes, well, what's, why, why would it be bad for me? He goes to me, I'm always good to her still. And I'm like, no, it's the karma of what you're creating. Well, he's you're, good on paper, but yeah. not inside. Yeah, but you're creating this, uh, you know, a thousand people will be affected by your action. And that's what God, I got the impression of, looks down and goes, you know what, that's what you have to be accountable for. You can, you can make everyone happy and think you're making everyone happy, but are you really well, it's you in, know, in some ways you're going to be affecting somebody. Because I wanted to know, is it is it like, will you go to hell in a handbag by doing something, you know, that, you know, no one really knows about, right? No one will really know about that. I keep it a secret. I keep it on the down low. Yeah. But no, it said it's the reaction you create. Well, is you're accountable and you've got to realize, especially when a man or a woman, because this is not a beat up men scenario. I just want all you men out yeah. there to know, you know we like, love you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> I second that. Yeah, it's very important. Thank you. <laughs> so when we were saying, like, because it just happened to me, so happens I'm a woman, and so happened it happened to me, but... What happened to me happens to men too. Like they're in the same shoes that I have been in. The only difference is is I didn't sit back through this and and I'll continue on with my story a little bit. I didn't sit back and feel sorry for myself. When When everything was starting to happen, when the next morning came, I, you know, the next day I, I actually reached out to one of my friends and said, because I had been talking, I had two of my closest friends. I didn't tell anybody else. And I said, all, everything that I've been thinking is true. I'll show you later. I had things. And then that morning, I said to myself, I said, self, you're going to put your act together. You're not going to let them know what you know. And you're going to start getting your life in order. And you're going to create a new life while you're still under this life. Mm-hmm. And that's what I began to do. So I knew from my first divorce that I needed to start doing things. I needed to get a lawyer. I got myself a lawyer. I started working up on my financials. I needed to open up new bank accounts. I went and I made new bank accounts. I needed to understand what was going on, where he was. I put a little device in the car so I could be watching where he was going. I needed to know what was going on with all the communications, so I just did making sure I became my own private eye. Mm -hmm. I set up new bank accounts. I set up um, a numbered company for whatever reason. I just let whatever was going to come to me was dictating what to do. And as I finally convinced him that our business was not going well at that time, it's time to sell the house. We cannot do this anymore. Because I knew that I needed this house to be gone because this was the only thing we had. You know, our business wasn't doing well. I needed to get money in the bank so finally I convinced him because he was very materialistic and I 
couldn't really give a damn about that. I knew, I always had this feeling somehow I'm always going to make it through. So I started out with finding. I knew exactly how I was going to sell the house. I knew exactly who was going to represent out of the thing. I kept my cards close. Even some of my other closest friends, I didn't tell anybody what was going through. I only told two of my girlfriends, and it was top secret. And it was only until a, a, a little while into it where I actually brought my kids into it because my daughter... I didn't want her feeling it because my emotions were starting to go up and down. Imagine you're holding all of this in. And then I would go out at night. I had a dog and I would walk my dog. And I began to have a mantra because at night I could fall apart. When I took my dog out for a walk, nobody was around. So I would take my dog out for a walk. By the way, this I lived through nine months, just as long as time as a baby is born. Imagine that, right? I was, birth- I was birthing a new life into me. And nine months, I held it together. He never, exp- he never thought about anything, never anticipated anything that was happening. I would put myself together. I'd go out every night. I'd walk my dog. I would totally fall apart. I would cry. And I had a mantra that I began to tell myself. For every tear I shed, laughter shall follow. And I said that to myself over and over and over again. Then I'd stop off at my girlfriend's house who lived down the street. I kept all my, some makeup there. I would put Humpty Dumpty back together again. I'd have a shot of vodka, and I would go home. <laughs> and I'd put a smile on my face because I told myself, Glenda, you are now going to be the lioness. I talked to myself. You are going to walk in with energy, with strength, and you're going to do whatever you need to do because that's who you are. And you know what? Then I began to say that this is my movie, and I need to make an Academy Award out of me. And so that is what gave me. I changed my mindset. I built myself strong. I set everything up. Even when I was packing, I had been labeling all my boxes accordingly. When I couldn't find what to fill a box with because I was moving stuff out because so happens the universe provided me a home to move into during that time, I also had to move my kids. So I did three different moves, but the entire time, I, I was even doing boxes with garbage in it that I was leaving for him. Just a nice surprise wow. when he moved in. <laughs> I thought of everything. Well, we. <laughs> yes, well, you do. <laughs> just on the note, you don't fuck around with me. <laughs> well, I just think you're such a strong lady, you know, and I, I love the way that you turned it around, you know, and that's what I said, like, with my readings and stuff also, too. But I see sometimes in readings, every, like, you know, a marriage. I've been married 30 years, right? And I've been divorced, you know, I'm, you know before this. And, and I had four years with that person. And, you know, we have the up and ups and downs. Things have happened in our, my marriage that have been just, like, could blow other people out of the water. You know, and I'm not saying it was ever perfect, Right. But I see in people's readings, like, we all have hang-ups. We all have problems. You know, like, women and men, women stay home, and they clean the house, and they do all these things, and men go out and work with a ton of people. Like, there are women crossing their path 24-7, and you had, like, a marriage where, you know, it was moving and shaking. You know, you were making money, you were business partners, you know, and we're all vulnerable, Oh, I understand. We're we're all vulnerable in the society, you know, like, so you spend, I always think, I always wonder my husband, he spends like 
half of his, most of his life at work than actually home because, you know, of his work and everything. You have so your strongest relationships with the people yeah. you work with than so anywhere else. You must think, like, if a woman or a man crossed a group path, you know, and they give you the wink and they're showing you, hey, you know, you're hot. You're the best thing I've ever seen, you know. You're going to like it. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying you're not going to like it. And I've been there too. And I, you know, it depends you go, what you get, what you're, what you get at home. That's right. And that's what I'm saying is, so if you're looking for that, you're missing something at home. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because I worked in one of the industries. I've been in many different industries through the years. Yeah. And one of the industries I worked with was Shell Canada, one of the largest yeah. employers, corporate Canada. Right. And I worked in the marketing department for Shell, and I ran the real estate department. And in that, I was working with close-knit, at least 30 men. Okay? Mm -hmm. And amongst, I would, there were very few women at that point, and it was me and 30 guys. And then when we did our marketing meetings, there was me, I was probably me and another woman, and there, at that point, were there like 100 to 200 men. Mm -hmm. And I, I get it. But here's the thing, it's like, how often do you, you know, like, we can have it around us and you can enjoy it. Nothing nicer than somebody to say, you know, you look Absolutely. really great today. Well, like, what a you beautiful do, you stroke. You don't get that from your husband a lot of times. And, totally. you know, and then it's addicting. It's like flattery. It's like, you know, you get like, ooh, a feeling, you know. Yeah, like. but you don't need to be sampling the syrup in the other corner either. But say it goes over five years and, you know, or somebody's like, you know, you grow a relationship with someone at work and you're not really even expecting it and boop, there it is. You have feelings for that person. And sometimes that just happens to people, you know, and we're not, we're human beings. We're human beings, you know, with feeling, right? Michelle, what are your thoughts? If somebody has a room to grow new feelings, maybe then there was something empty sitting there to begin with, Oh, right? yeah. So, yeah. But here's the thing. The question is, why does the spouse don't go to their wife or husband Absolutely. to fill in that empty gap? Why go on the side looking at somewhere else? Where that comes down to communications. Hello, we do not you have, just said the yeah, magic we word. We do not have the right communications with each other. Because I say to clients, did you tell them how you feel? Did you say, you know, yeah. well, no, it angers him or, yeah, you know. or it, it makes him insecure. Yeah, and you know, and then I just forget about it, yeah. you know. And I'm like, well, in marriage, you have to constantly be communicating. Like, you know, even if it's bad, you know, even if it's bad communication, you have to get it out, you well, know. There is actually uh, a lot of fear for people behind conflict. And I remember, especially for last about year and a half, I picked up this habit of whenever I feel my husband gets emotional, I always tell him, I want you to tell me how it is. And if I don't like it, that's on me, that's not on you, but I'm not going to love you any less. I might not like you for what you're about to say, but I need you to say it so we can look at it, deal with it, and move on. Yeah, but do women really let their men deal with it and move on? <laughs> you know, that's what I well, kind of find. Well, purpose, I heard this right? thing, and I'm just going to put it out there, and it was very insightful for me. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an exennial. I don't care if you guys are Gen X or anything in between. Yeah. But I call myself an exennial. And what the, the woman had said on her reel was that uh, you shouldn't wait till you're angry to communicate it. And I think that's the biggest problem in most marriages is when we communicate it, sometimes it's way too late. 
we're not communicating as it comes in real time and just saying, hey, just so you know, yesterday when, you know, that um, lady was, you know, rubbing your bicep, um, that... It that, didn't rub me the right way. Yeah. <laughs> that I don't believe that that's something that is something that's acceptable in our marriage. With, and, yeah. you know, like, how are you going to combat this in the future? I don't think that's the wrong thing to say. And I think no, that's well, how kind of how you did it. Here's one of the things that life has taught me and why I think that I've become a better person is because what I've realized is when something is, is festering me, when I'm about to explode, that's not my time when I talk. I have now come to the realization in all of my relationships, whether it be a man, whether it be my children, whether it be my friend, when I'm ready to explode, I step back and I think before I speak. Because when we speak out when we rage, that is when we might say something that we can't take back. Mm -hmm. So I have learned, and I do that all the time. I'm really good at that. And I'm, be, you know, like, it's taught me, and I think that's why my relationship with my kids has gotten even better because when they're doing, like, if my son has something to say, I won't say a word. And he'll know me. So he'll say, okay, give me your opinion. And then, I'm, and they know I will, I'm honest, but I'll say what it is. But I don't, I don't hold on to it. I say it. It's gone out to the universe. That's it. And then we move on. It's, it's not, but, but what I've learned is when I'm angry about something or, and I know I got to deal with an issue, then I step back and I know it's time to think it through because the anger does not represent who I am. That's absolutely, that's what, with me, when I look at all my situations, I deal it with anger when I was younger. Like, you know, and I still, you know, certain people can trigger me and I don't know why, you know, and that's about me. And I'm like, why do these two people, you know, push my buttons? You know, Are you can't. interested to explore, Michelle? Want to oh, give me an example? Let's yeah. just poke at it. Yeah. So, so like with like, but I have issues. They're both, both the same personalities too. Okay. okay. How like would you I describe find. it? Well, <laughs> okay, so they're, dismissive, so they're dismissive towards you. Oh, absolutely. So then is that part of the trigger of not being heard when you're around them? Absolutely. You know, and then I'm thinking, well, why do I need that? Because I had to really do a lot of soul searching oh. as why do I need that from that person? You know, and it's interesting. And I had to really look at that because they, those people, when they're mad at you, they mm -hmm. target something you're more very personal about or what hurts you the most, and they know what it is, right? Wow. And then so then they can bring you to the, your knees, right? Because they know you too well and, you know, that if your you triggers. If you, you if allow, you allow them to do that. And so I had to look at me and go, you know, I have to really, really wrestle with this of how I react to it. Because nine times out of ten, I would overreact instead of pulling out a one and saying out of ten, you know, this is how it made me feel, I would pull out a ten. And it was like the straw that broke the camel's back, you know. Yeah. And it was, and then I would look like an idiot because all the things they said over and over and over again, I would stuff it down, stuff it down, not deal with it, not deal with it. And then, boom, a bomb would go off, Right. And then I would feel guilty afterwards because I went overboard. And then you take on the, you know, oh, my God, then maybe it's me, you know, 
mentality. I, I caused this. And then when I really look back, it was just I never addressed how I felt ever, you mm-hmm. know, because I didn't think I was worthy of that. You know, I didn't think I was worthy of speaking my truth and saying, you know what, this really hurt me. And, that, and, and now express it in a way of not attacking, but what you said to me was offensive, and it really hurt me, you know? And they have to be accountable for what they said. And so, but they, they always wanted, they liked that reaction too, I found out. You know what I mean? Because it, they could one-up you also. Well, they also saw that it knocked you down. It, yeah. See, a narcissist is looking for anything. Like, it's all about them anyways. Absolutely. So when it becomes something like you, it's like right away, let's get her, right? So it's they feel they've done their job when they can knock you down. Yeah, and that's what, I, you know, in a lot of relationships I find with clients that come, that's what happens is that that person, you know, they, they act crazy and they do things and whatever and everybody points a finger at them but nobody looks at like what drove that person to that point 100 percent, exactly <laughs> you know? and 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 you know i was watching a show on tv and um there were there were a, a publicized couple that were constantly fighting and in the end she ended up stabbing him you know? Yeah, I felt like that a few times. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I've been, like, you know, I've been in relationships where, whoa, you know, if if it pushed me to the edge, I was that close. I could have, too. I'm just glad you didn't go Lorena Bobbitt on him. Just saying on that show. <laughs> but I'm saying it's I still just, remember that. It haunts yeah, me as a male. Absolutely. You I know? actually thought of that the first time when I was going through it. And, oh, okay, I'll be honest. Even the second time, even more so. <laughs> yeah. and But, you know, we don't really realize, like, we're all human, right? And we all have these emotions and that trigger us, right? Oh, yeah. Actually, that reminded me when... Um, my husband and I, we've been together for 20 years, and in the beginning of our relationship, I remember one of the fights we had, and he was like, why are you yelling? And I'm like, because I don't think you hear me. And I remember he just went silent, and he's like, is that truly what's happening here? Are you yelling because you don't think I hear you? And I'm like, yes, because your actions are showing me that you don't hear me. And as much as I apologized and I kept that in mind for the future, that sometimes yelling doesn't mean you're going to get heard. But I always say when people tell me, oh, I don't like when my spouse yelling at me. Because I've been on that side, I always say, ask yourself, why are they yelling? Because, yes, they might not be heard. They might be yelling because they just feel so desperate. It's like if the dog is barking, ask yourself why. Because even if you step on its tail by accident, it still causes pain and you have to accept that. Mm-hmm. You don't have to feel guilty for that pain, but you have to accept that the dog is barking for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where people really forget to look at the other side. Because even people that are defensive or aggressive, they're defensive and aggressive because there was a time that somebody heard them that bad that all they had is to put up that guard and be defensive with everybody because they're just so terrified of that pain. And, and that's what I've always wondered, though. So can any relationship be fixed? Can any relationship, like the infidelity in a relationship, 
Absolutely can be. I think anybody can fix if they're open to it and willing to do the work. Well, it takes two to tango, right? Yes. Yeah. So if only one person wants it, it actually yeah, it work. works in any relationship if you think about it. I yeah. had an interesting conversation about childhood like, in terms of raising kids yesterday. Yeah. And the conversation came about that when the children are little, they want your attention, but we're too busy to give it to them. And then when we're old, we want that attention, but they're too busy to give it to us. So at what point do you create that connection with the child? And I always say that your optimal um, time to build the relationship and connection with the child when they want it. Because when they want it, you have a chance to recognize it and want it too. Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. it will only work when two people want something. Be it a child and a grown-up, a child and a child, whether it's a friendship. Again, it's the same thing. If two friends want to be friends, they will be, even if they have falling outs or fights. Yeah. But at the point where one person is just not interested... Or abusive. Yeah, you can do yeah, you whatever know. you want. Yeah, But abusive, that's not interested, right? Because yeah. they're not yeah. interested to love you the right way or the way you want to be loved. They're not interested in healing. They're not interested in changing. And the tough part is, I always say, the problem is Karen doesn't know she's a Karen. An asshole doesn't know he's an asshole. He just thinks he's standing his boundaries and protecting himself. And unfortunately, people like that are so lost, and that's why I refer to people like that as lost souls. It's not that they don't have a capability to be humane. It's not that they don't have humility within them or kindness within them. It's that they justifying being an abuser so strongly in their mind that, yeah, they're not interested to change. I mean, I can admit that I'm a, a full-blown asshole, but... Uh, <laughs> no, 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 John, you're a nice guy. We know talking, that. But talking about an asshole, I want to hear now. So we're at the point where Glenda, where she's packing dog shit in boxes and sending it over to his new house. <laughs> right? We've, we're going to the same house. Yeah, he, he has wow. this belief that they're going to the same house. So I want to bring us back in here, and I want to take us to the, uh, the finale here. I'm excited right. about this part. This part here will knock your sock off if you're yeah. wearing socks, okay. anyways. Okay, so we're, you know, I want you to remember that I'm nine months in, right? I am, everything is set up to the point, like every single detail has been done. My children are now living in a, in a condo where they're now safe, and that is set up. Um, everything, you know, and he doesn't even realize because there's lies going on, obviously, and we are all very with how our lives are going so we're all in connection where things are and at this point in time he knows there is a we had a a condo that we both owned and um we're as he thought we're moving into this condo together but uh but we're not i'm not so you know nine months in now the house is sold exactly the way i wanted to, to be we have a bidding war i find the right thing everything set like the universe had my back wow. every single second of the way it's amazing it's totally amazing so if you don't believe in that like <laughs> i tell you then we, we got to talk and so we i have everything set up i even went to the extent of going to the bank meeting the manager telling them that you know i'm going to have some money to deposit because my house is being sold and I need you to do this with it and maybe, and then put it into uh, like joint accounts and then transfer it into a, another account. And I'm telling him, and you know, I make him see because 
here's the thing. You can tell shit to people if you know the how you can control by uh, knowing where your power is. My power is I stand tall. I put my, I'm a put-together woman. And people look at me and look at me as, as if I've got that power. I might be shitting my bricks inside, but nobody knows. Mm. So I've got everything set up. Like the day of the house, it closes. But, you know, this was a Friday. So my girlfriend and I think of one last hurrah that we got to do for, you know, for old time's sake. So it gives us something at least to laugh at. Because we found ways of having laughs through this time, like, thinking as I was taking garbage, instead of throwing it to the garbage man, I was throwing it into a box and labeling it for the house and, you know, throwing all the dishes in without wrapping them and figuring out when he opens it, you know, who cares anymore? You know, it was kind of, that was my fun ways of doing things, right? So we decided that I still had one credit card that was him in the main name. And by the way, it's the only, the actual owner of the credit card. Like I know everything of what you're responsible for and what they are. And we go to the to one of the highest, like it used to be the Prince Hotel, which was a five-star hotel not far from where I live in Toronto. And we decide to go there for the weekend because I wasn't sure whether the house was closing on a Friday. Well, what happened if it didn't close to the end of the day? I wouldn't get the money right away. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking beyond, right? Mm-hmm. So I had to, we had to go there so I know that when I'm going to get the money to have it so I can transfer it. So... Turns out, you know, of course, um, I didn't get all the money until the Monday morning. Like, I got some of the money and not. So we stayed at the Prince Hotel, and I made sure that that whole time, you know, we brought a bottle of vodka into the room, and I kept pouring it. My glass was full of water. His glass, I kept pouring it. So by the night, he was just gone, and I didn't even have to be bothered with him. And then I turned around, and the next day comes Monday morning, and I tell him, you know, if you notice through these nine months, I have lost a lot of weight. I wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping. I was just on full force going. So I used it to my advantage. First of all, I put healing prayers all around me because I didn't want to bring any karma into me or anything. But, you know, I figured he deserved whatever karma it was because what he had done. So um, I told him that I wasn't well and the doctor wanted to do some tests. So Monday morning, I need you to drive me to the hospital drop me off to get tested, and my daughter will come later in the day to pick me up. So we drive to the hospital that morning. He drops me off at the front door. I go out the front door. I watch him leave. And as I, I wait five minutes, and I walk out to the other door, and there's my daughter. She picks me up. And um, I you know, walk out one door and come out the next door. And I take her and drop her off at home. And then I run to the lawyers, and I go to the real estate agent thing and I get all the money and of course I go running to the bank and we do the exactly what I had planned money goes off and it goes off to my lawyers and that's being held all the money and trust I leave a little bit behind so the courts don't look at it in case it goes that way that I'm totally doing harm like you got to think of every detail right and then I say to him that night, you know, let's meet back at the hotel so we can pack our things and, you know, and have a celebration. Let's meet at the bar and have our, a drink just to celebrate the money's in and everything is fine with us. And that's where I had my girlfriend sitting out in a car waiting with the car running and she's texting me because she's watching him walk in and I'm in the bar now. My son is waiting on his motorcycle worried about me that in case there is a problem because he was a big guy, 
and um, and I'm sitting in the bar, and I have a stack of all of his emails and his pictures. And we sat down, and he said to me, okay, let's have a celebration. It's, you know, we've done well, we're all in. And I said, yep. And he talks a little bit, and then I say, um, um, I say, oh, great, it's over. And he looks at me, and I said, yep, I want nothing more to do with you. You are nothing but a scumbag, and this is the end Woo. of my life Woo. with you. <laughs> and he's looking at me, and he says, what are you talking about? And with that, I put all the papers down on the table, and he's looking through all of his emails and pictures, and there was a big picture of him and his, at that point, new relationship. And he says, what did you do? You, you put me in there. And I said, you know what? I'm good, but I'm not quite that good yet. And I laugh and I said, this is my lawyer's card. I want nothing to do with you and don't bother trying to phone me or do anything. Yeah. And then I get up and I say, oh, by the way, my last parting words were, if you try to do anything that you think you're going to hurt me, everything is out of your name. I've transferred everything out of your name. And my lawyer is aware of everything that you've done and you were doing. So it is now there's everything. And there's another person he was involved with with some shady things and I said um, everything is in writing so if anything happens to me by the way um, you're the first person they're going to look at and that's letters with my children my lawyer and a few of my friends so um, you know what take it and I walked out and he was just sitting there when I turned around He's looking through all these papers, and he was just totally dumbfounded. Wow. And my girlfriend was, by that point, I had texted her, was he was walking and pull up. As I walked out the front door, she's there. I jump in the thing. My son was right behind in his thing, and we go off to my girlfriend's, and, uh, and that's where I started my new life. Fantastic. Woo! <laughs> wow, that's like a novel. <laughs> my movie! <laughs> yes. You handled that with class right? Mm -hmm. So here's my thing to women, men, wherever. When life is giving you some fucking lemons, you can make lemonade. You know what? We have to stop feeling sorry for ourselves and we have to empower ourselves. And, and I, like, I had no idea what was, I was going to do. It was one step along the way. It was every morning I went out and I asked my angels and, my, and all, my, uh, all my guys to just follow me, lead me, telling me what I needed to know. And every time I did one thing, something else came to me telling me what I had to do. You have control of your life. You are worth something. You need to believe in yourself. And if you don't, then find somebody who will. Find a coach who's been through what you're going through. Somebody who will lead you, who will give you that energy, who will give you that, that uplifting time. We all need it, whether it's a friend, whether it's a coach. Don't do it by yourself because the biggest thing that I can tell you is when I sat back the next day as I began sitting in, in my new place with filled with boxes all around me, and thinking to myself, nobody should have to do this alone like I did. Mm -hmm. That's what my, and now for me, it's about helping others getting through. Getting through your struggles and making something fabulous out of it. Thank Absolutely. you.
Fantastic. That's beautiful. I just want to put it out there. I'm not that man. (laughs) I don't know if it was clear or not. Like I might say some stupid stuff. Glenda, that's, that's quite the story. And it it was so powerful. I remember the last time you and I recorded, you told me there off air, obviously. And I was just like, I was so, it was so profound that I was like, I have to do this recording with you. I have to get this on air because it's just, it's not about man or woman. It's just about, it's a matter of, you know, not even victory. I I was going to say victory. It's perseverance. Yes. It's, it's about not allowing somebody to, like, for me, it was like, I, I knew my worth. I knew that I was an incredible woman to this man. Or, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm not saying man or woman. But I knew how good I was, not just to him, but to his family, to everybody. And if, it was like somebody was shitting on me. And nobody shits on me. And, and I don't mean to be drunk, but the, the words are, it's true. Nobody should ever put you down in life. Nobody should ever take advantage of you in life. Life should be about a win-win. That's when you negotiate a deal. It's not a deal unless both sides win. Everything in life is about being able to come up with feeling good about yourself. And nobody should ever take part who you are, or or draw or knock you down. That's not what it's about in life. Absolutely, thank you. That was yeah. I can appreciate that. I don't have anything funny to say there. <laughs> it's just all true. <laughs> now I'm going to ask one weird question before we close this bad boy off to you, ladies. So we got the light worker, we got the psychic. What is your feelings? Did you, were were you guys like in your case there, Michelle? Were you able to kind of almost envision this? Do you have almost like your your guides there kind of like, yep, yep, kind of giving you like like what verifying what uh, Glenda here is saying? And what do you feel there, Julia? I can see you deep. I think I'm really proud of Glenda. I think she did what most women don't have balls to. Or men. Or that. <laughs> uh, I think instead of falling apart and going into victim mode, she raised above. And I applaud her. I applaud her strength. And I don't think I have any feedback rather than just standing applause. Yeah, she took the life into her hands. She chose herself. Uh, She chose to live. She chose to enjoy her life. And she's 100% correct. Relationships should be about win-win, about empowering each other, about loving each other, supporting each other. So any relationship that destroys you is not necessarily a relationship that's meant for you. And some people just get sunk into it like a quicksand rather than fighting against it and having the strength to say, you know what, this is not for me, no thank you. Uh, and Glenda did it. So, wow. I mean, just absolute wow. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What do you feel there? And, you know, with Glenda also, too, that, you know, you have such power behind you. And as you said, your spiritual guides and your angel guides and everything. And I really believe in that. Like, every step of the way... You were guided. It's so guided. It was, you know, we were, I was, and I'll just go back into one little area where my, my daughter saw it too. Um, it was a, uh, one of the moves that I made. I moved my daughter out of the house at, at this point earlier before. Like, we knew we were moving the house, and she was going, you know, Mom, I'm going to go live with my girlfriend. 
which wasn't that way, but we had our stories to keep together, right? Yeah. So we told him that she's going to go move him with her girlfriend, so I'm moving her out. So we moved her out. He wasn't around. I booked things around times when he wasn't going to be around. So I had a moving company, and I had things. And as we're leaving, you know, I'm watching because everything is on my phone. You know, I have his car tracking device in the car. So as we're going out, I lived on a crescent. And as I'm pulling out on one side and we get to the end, he's pulling in on the other. And it was like I said to the kids as we're driving out and I said, oh, my God, like we're in a fraction of the moment we missed each other. And it was like, wow. Like every, every, everything was was so well-timed. Every detail was so taken. The, the details of things that I'd done were were just mind blowing. And, but it was crazy because if it wasn't meant to be, then somewhere along the line, he would have been, he would have saw things. He would have noticing, but he didn't. And I know he was blown out of the water that day. Told me everything that he had no clue the entire time that I knew what I knew. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing also, too, that I've, you know, being a psychic over, you know, 30 years I've done psychic work in the public eye is knowing that inner voice, knowing that guidance, knowing that. And that was the hardest thing I found for my even myself. Yeah. And, and, you know, and sometimes when we go through very difficult times, that's when the most times you find the inner voice, you know? It's like... You know, and you were meant to find that, right? And they yeah. sometimes I believe that, you know, our guides or our teachers or our angels or whatever you want or God yeah. puts you in positions to hear, right? Because sometimes when you said, I didn't even know he was doing this to me. I didn't know this was going on until I found it, you know, uh, you know on the internet or in his phone. But you see, here's the thing. I earlier wasn't listening to that inner voice. That's what I'm saying. And that was the problem. And I think your guides and your angel guides get a little peeved at you sometimes and go, you know what, Glenda? You're going to hear us. Well, it's the old story. (laughs) It's the old story at the beginning. You end up up stubbing your toe. Exactly. And when you don't hear it, you know, you get to the point where you break your leg because it's like, you got to hear me, girl. Exactly. Because sometimes my guides will be banging me over the head with a hammer you know, and I don't want to hear it, right? Because yeah. it's emotional or it's this or it's that or I don't want to deal with that, you know? And sometimes I think karma sort of goes, well, you know, you want to learn some lessons in life? Well, we're going to give you one. Yeah, well, yeah. So then what's what I, you know, and I've been shot through things like, whoa, you know, and I'm in some stuff even now in my life, right? And, but it's all learning curves. So you can teach others. That's yes, your path. That's, that's your path. You know, that we can all teach others, right? And I'm like, hmm, you know, that's pretty interesting, right? That we're put on this earth for a purpose. I almost look at uh, all the hardships we go through. It's it's a part of who we're supposed to be become, but we won't become that version of ourselves unless we get dragged in the mud, so to speak, like poor Glenda over here or anybody else that's going through anything of that sort. But it, hold on. It's not poor Glenda. Poor Glenda was the moment I found out, which lasted for, I'll give myself the night where I threw up and I cried and I all the rest. I had my little pity party for that time. Purging. Yeah. <laughs> then the lion, lioness came out. It was like, 
Nobody is going to do this to me. No one's going to shit on me. No one is going to take advantage and dump me and do all this other stuff. I work too hard for this. So that poor Glenda was left behind a long time ago. Well, in all fairness, I just meant like poor Glenda in the sense that you should have never had to go through it. But thankfully you did because if you didn't, you would not be the powerful lioness you are Mm -hmm. today. Right? Mm -hmm. Just like, you know, Julia has been through some stuff that I, I probably will never go through. And Michelle, and I'm going to go through some stuff that none of, none of the three of but you... But we all have to thank our problems and move on. You quilted your quilt, you yeah. did your line, and the quilt is done, you know? And you, you put it to the side, it's already made. And you can't go back, you can't change the pattern, it's all there, you know? And we just got to keep moving on or build a new quilt. <laughs> and teach others, and teach yeah. others from what we've gone through, because... Yeah. You know, through my life, I've always wondered, why am I here? What was my thing? Remember I said to you earlier, why am I here? Well, you know what? It's been so many times when I kept asking these questions as a little girl that came to me. If I wasn't here, I wouldn't have had my two children who I've made through. For them even watching me, you know, the next day I had, after everything happened, I sat around the first day, I said to my girlfriend, she said, okay, I'm going to give you a day to have a pity party for yourself. And I said, no, I think I need two days this time. So I had two days of just allowing myself to fall apart because nine months of keeping everything down, I couldn't allow myself to feel things, right? And then so two days of feeling like like crying and sleeping in the bed and not going to get up. And then day three, it was like, that's it. Get up, wash my face, get dressed, put myself together. Now... What am I going to do with my life? Mm-hmm. How am I going to start figuring out I need money? How am I going to start putting myself out there again? And that yeah. is what it's all about. So why? It's because I want to teach others to control and to have the power within themselves. We need to be powerful, loving. Power is one thing, but here's the one thing that we also need to have. I never got um, hard from this. I am a very understanding, loving soul. And if we don't continue to have our hearts out there, it's a really shitty world. Yeah. So it's really important that what you go through, that's why I say feel it, cry it, let it all hang out, get rid of it, because you need to come back with loving kindness and understanding, because otherwise, whoever comes into your life moving forward, you're not going to end up with, or you're not going to have a good life. You know, so we need to understand that what we do is not to make us, to build us, to make us harder, to put a wall up. You learn of, of what people are actually like. You're, you know, like bells go off when I see certain types of people. You know, there are certain ways, certain things, the way they talk to, the way they hold themselves, all the things that I've learned through the years. But it doesn't mean that you become hard. Because you know what? You're supposed to have loving relationships. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing with grieving. Like when someone passes or, you know, my grandmother would believe, she'd say, Michelle, you have a week and you grieve for the week and you move on. And I'd go, you know, and she goes, passing, anything. You grieve for a week and you move on. And she said, you don't get caught up in your doing, you know. You can miss the person or you can miss the situation and still, you know, but you don't grieve. You know? Your grandma was a nice lady because Glenda would only give her two days. <laughs> yeah, or whatever. No, but, it, it, but it's okay 
to to have yeah. that week to grieve. But Absolutely. then you celebrate because then you start uh-huh. come back with your memories. Like you know, when I coach people, it's it's all about whatever time someone did. I knew that I didn't need to stay down. I knew that for myself, I I do like I need to feel it and I need to move forward. But you need to feel it. But if you need the week, you feel the week, and it depends. Like when my dad passed, um, I fell apart because he, I'm daddy's girl, and and under the most of babes, my my son was four years old at the time, and any time he would talk about my dad, tears would come rolling down my face, and he would say, "You know, mommy, you should do what I do," and I said. What is that? He said, well, I just pretend he's always with me, and then I can just oh. talk to him. And it was like, this is from my four-year-old kid. Absolutely. Out of the mouths of babes. Out of the yeah. mouths of babes. And yeah. that's exactly it. So take the memories. Joy, be grateful that you had those memories. And that's why it's important to be with, when you're with people that you love and adore, make yourself available for God's sakes. Stop being busy. Be present. Because we do that, right? Absolutely true. Michelle, thank you for being on the show. Thank can you just you. tell everybody where they can find you on social? Yeah, I'm Belladonna Psychic. I have my own website, um, Facebook, Michelle Runciman. And uh, give me a text, call anytime. I'm, I'm your gal. She is, trust me. She'll, uh, she'll tell you about the next car accident you're about to have. <laughs> Hopefully you'll make it. <laughs> <laughs> she won't tell you those fine details, I promise you. <laughs> Julia, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show, and I'm glad we were able to reconnect and bring you out here with uh, Glenda and Michelle. Pleasure is all mine, and hopefully we can do this again. Do you want people to reach you on socials? Sure, I'm always on LinkedIn and Instagram, Julia Pazmandi. There you go. You got Julia, and then obviously Glenda, please. <laughs> let's let's give these people your uh, credentials so they can reach out and, and be enriched by your life. Yeah, well, that's what I only speak from what I've been through because, you know, how else can I tell you that I understand what you're going through if I haven't been through it myself, and that's how I do coach. So um, on LinkedIn, Facebook, I am known as I am Glenda Kroll, and I do have glendacroll.com is my website, and last name is K-R-O-L-L. And on, like I said, on Instagram, I am known as the wise woman's word. So reach out anytime. I'm here to talk to you. And you can find me everywhere, I hope. Clearly, if you're listening now, you must have <laughs> found me. A wise person once told me nobody likes a tip, so that's why we go deep. <laughs>